So this week we will be away, and um, as we start this new series, you're going to get a sermon today, and then in two weeks we'll pick up on it. Our own uh, Elder Bill Joyner will be leading and preaching next week, and so I know you'll want to be here. Every time Bill preaches, he blesses you, and the Lord speaks through him, and so um, I look forward uh, to um, hearing you preach next week. I just won't be here. So um, thank you, Bill, for stepping in so often uh, and, and serving the way you do. Uh, we, we love you. I was thinking uh, this week as I was preparing and thinking about this sermon um, while we were away last month, um, I did some praying on um, sitting at the table in this cabin in the mountains of Tennessee and thinking, Lord, is this really the direction that uh, you want me to go or is there something else or, you know, this is not going to be easy because uh, not just for me, but for the congregation um, to hear some of the things that we need to do well in living in a broken world. And uh, the more I read and the more that I studied and prayed, um, I felt like the Lord was, was leading this way. And I pray that again over the next few, few weeks, uh, probably into September, um, the Lord will, will bless us all, but also convict us all where we need to be convicted. Um, we, we all know we live in a broken world. If you get up any morning, and uh, I know some of you may pick up a hard copy of a newspaper. I don't even know. If, do they still print the things? I'm not sure. Um, you, whether you read a newspaper or you get on, and I laid my device down over there, or a computer, or turn on the TV and watch WREL News, you're going to hear uh, at the top of every hour uh, the most devastating things that are happening either in our country, in our city, or around the world. And so as I was thinking about that, I just started thinking about some of the things that have happened in the 21st century just since 2000. And, uh, and you know me, I'm a picture guy. Um, so I wanted to just refresh your memory. If you do not think we, that we live in a broken world, maybe a few of these pictures uh, will remind you that we do. Uh, in 2000, the US coal uh, was attacked and we lost um, several Navy men uh, that day. Uh, the familiar day, 2001, 9-11, the attack on Washington, on Washington and on New York. And so often uh, we forget about the Pentagon being attacked. And we forget about the, the other plane that was supposed to hit the White House that the guys took down in Pennsylvania. And so we see this picture and every one of us that was alive then and, and, and old enough to see these pictures, remember exactly where we were at that moment and that time. There were the war that followed in Iraq and Af Afghanistan. And I know many guys, personally know many guys that were there that served over and over there was the anthrax attack on the 
the U.S. Um, if you remember in 2003, the, the shuttle was coming back in for re-entry and it exploded into pieces. It's a broken world. 2005, Hurricane Katrina. And I will tell you that 2005, with Hurricane Katrina, our nation began to be divided in a way that it hadn't been before. And you can say, well, I remember, yes. But with Katrina, we began to see people blame others in ways we had not seen before. There, there were people literally blaming other people for Katrina, which was a natural disaster. And it has just exploded across our nation uh, since. Uh, 2007, do you remember this? Some of you tech guys will. The iPhone was released in 2007. You say, well, what in the world does the iPhone have to do with a broken world? I will tell you this, and this I believe firmly. These smartphones have a lot of good, but they brought a lot of evil. Amen. There is good and bad. And the iPhone, now yes, there was the Blackberry, and some of us had those things prior to the iPhone, but really with the iPhone release, everything changed when it came to technology, holding a computer in your hand, wherever you could go, having access to anything in all the world. In the 21st century, we have seen shootings at Virginia Tech, at Sandy Hook. We saw a bombing at the Boston Marathon that killed many people. We have seen the Charleston shooting, and if you remember, this picture was plastered everywhere as far as what had happened in Charleston. And then, of course, we've had other shootings, Texas church shooting, the massacre at the synagogue in Pittsburgh. We have seen the Supreme Court rule on many things, but certainly on same-sex marriage in the 21st century. We have seen identity theft go rampant uh, in our society. Uh, if you have not been hacked yet, the likelihood is you will. Uh, because it is so rampant in our society. We have seen the border crisis of so many from Central America and other places uh, going through our borders. A and we've seen the heartache, uh, and we certainly have heard the rhetoric um, about our border crisis. Um, many of us, and, and I rightly so, did not put this picture up, but many of us remember George uh, Floyd and, and the killing. Um, but that sparked what we know as race riots across America. Um, did you know that road rage in the 21st century is up over a hundred plus percent? And it's just getting worse. Abortions have increased in the 21st century, and, and we 
have those that we know that are pro-choice and we have those that we know are pro-life and we hear the battle constantly happening in our broken world and none of us can forget March of 2020, COVID-19 and how it has affected us in our society. It spread through the world. It shut down everything worldwide. We are still battling from knowing what um, the, the vaccines may have done or are doing. We are still battling on the mental um, essence of our kids and we see it at our school and I don't know how it has affected other schools, but I'm sure it has when the kids were isolated. All of this has been a part of just the last 23 years, and that is nothing but a scratch of the surface of what I could have said about our broken world. People get angry at the drop of a hat. Our churches are seeing a drop in attendance. We are seeing that the Bible certainly, even by denominations, are being said that it's not true or God's changed his mind or, or God has um, nothing but just, just love. And so that means anything goes. And we have seen that just rampant in and flowing through the church. Uh, the headline yesterday, um, over 6,000 churches have already left the United Methodist Church over doctrinal issues. And those doctrinal issues are around the authority of scripture. Churches are closing. People are capitulating to the world and the world is broken. Did you know that the brokenness in the world didn't start in the 21st century, and it didn't start in the 20th century, and it didn't start in the 19th century? In fact, you have to go a long ways back to see the broken world and its start, and that's at the fall of man at the fall of man and with sin entering the world, the world became broken. It became something that God looked at and said, there has to be a savior for this broken world. Man cannot do this alone. Man cannot save himself. Man now has this spirit within him, this fallen spirit within him. And I could have chosen so many stories in the Old or the New Testament to talk about living well in a broken world. But when I read Ruth and began to read, read 1 Samuel, I, I realized that letting go, I mean, this letting go with a blessing is, is the focus today. Letting go in this broken world. And so we're going to look at Ruth today. Um, start with Ruth, and we'll be in Ruth for a while. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, I'm going to be in chapter 1, 
and uh, I promise to give you a little bit of the backstory because that's the only way this is going to make sense today is to give you the, the, the backstory of, uh, of Naomi and her husband and how uh, Ruth came into the picture. But I want to pick up with verse 8 and read through verse 13. And, and as I said, verse 8 and 9, uh, these verses are what caught my attention and began my thought process uh, with this sermon uh, and with the entire series. And so it picks up in verse 8. And Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant you that you find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said that I had hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is hard for me than for you. It's harder for me than for you. For the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word. We pray this in your name. Amen. God speaks to me and you. He has, as we have come to faith in him, he speaks to us. He has given us his Holy Spirit, and he speaks to us when times are dark, when we find ourselves in a difficult way, he speaks to us when they, there are people around us that are unfaithful, when people hurt us, when we find ourselves in heartache. Jesus speaks to us. His Spirit calls to us. And as we look at this chapter and this book, we will see, and I stopped at 13 because in two weeks we're going to pick up with verse, verse 14. But I want us to look this morning at the story of Naomi and Ruth and Oprah and, and, and just see what is happening. And to do that, you have to have some of the backstory. And so Naomi is the mother-in-law to her two daughter-in-laws that married her sons. And she calls them to embark on a journey. But in essence, this is the second journey. And to understand, we have to go back and see what the first journey was all about. We need to know that first. And so 
Naomi's husband was Elimelech, and he was a landowner in Bethlehem, and um, he decides that he's going to leave his home, and he's going to take his wife, Naomi, and he's going to take his two sons, and they're going to move to a land called Moab. And, and so, as you see on the screen, they're in Bethlehem, and they're on the, the, the left side of the Dead Sea, and, and they go through Jerusalem, over the Jordan River, and then they come down through the land of Reuben and down into Moab on the opposite side of Bethlehem. And this is where they're going. And unfortunately, Elimelech decided that he would go to a land that is an enemy of Israel. What in the world? And as it turns out, he dies while he's there, leaving his wife and his two sons to be raised by her. And these two sons, as they grow, they take wives of the local persuasion, the uh, Moabites. Uh, and, and so these women become their wives. And now this begins what is going to become uh, second journey, as we will see. Now, in verse 1, it tells us that in those days, verse 1 of Ruth, it tells us in those days that the judges ruled. See, there was no kings yet. And so the judges were ruling, and there was also famine in the land. So those two things are important to know, that the judges are ruling, there's famine in the land. Those are critical things. It's hard times that are happening in Israel. And Judges 21-25 tells us that in those days, all the people did what was right in their own eyes. In other words, there was no moral standard in their eyes. Whatever's right for me, I get to do. Whatever seems to please me or pleasure me is right. And that just doesn't seem right. They had a total discard for God's law, for God's morality, for God's standard, God's moral compass. And then you add the famine to the mix. And so this was an extreme situation. And because of the famine and, and all that was going on, Elimelech decides that he's going to leave Bethlehem, interestingly enough. Ironically, Bethlehem means the house of bread, but there was no bread in the house of Bethlehem. And so he decides to take his family and move to Moab. Now, there's, there's more to this move than just putting food on the table because as we see, Moab is a highly charged area. As I said, they were an enemy of Israel. Uh, the Moabites were descendants of Abraham's nephew, Lot, by his shameful episode of incest. And so the king of Moab, and yes, these other nations had kings. If you remember the story, Israel says, hey, God, all those other nations have kings. I think we want one too. That's not going to work well, but if that's what you want, I'll give it to you. 
So Moab has a king. And if you remember the story, the king of Moab hires Balaam to curse the people of Israel. And he did that at the very most vulnerable time of Israel's existence at that particular time. And so there was animosity between the Moabites and the Israelites. And what's more is that Elimelech and Naomi and their two children are moving to a pagan society. It's, it's such that they worshipped this false god, Chemus, and their cultural practice or their cultic practice was that they sacrificed children to their God in fire. Can you imagine moving to a place where this is happening? Yes, a broken world. And so if you could say anything about Naomi's husband, Elimelech, you got to at least say he's a little questionable about his decision in moving from Bethlehem in Judea over to Moab, but he did. But there's still more to this. There's more to the story of Elimelech. You see... Everyone, all the Israelites, as they came into Cana, as they came across with, with Joshua, they were given a parcel of land. And their parcel of land was such that it was to be in their family. And it was to be passed on from generation to generation. And they were to develop that land and live on that land. This is a land that God promised them. This was a covenant that, that God had given them them and he chooses to scorn the covenant the the obligation to have this land that would pass down to Malon and Chilon his two sons and he picks up his family and he goes to the dark in the evil land of Moab Elimelech's name means God is my king, but somehow it just appears to me that God was not his king at the time he made these decisions, forsaking the covenant, putting his family in danger. It reminds me kind of of, of Esau who sold his birthright for a cup of soup because his belly was hurting, his belly was hungry. But the truth is, both of these men, both of these men undervalued the covenant that God had made with them and his people. Many people today are indifferent when it comes to the covenant that God has made with us. And so I want to stop there before we go any further with this second journey that Naomi is going to embark on because I think it's important for us to understand that the first way that we live well in a broken world is in keeping God's covenant. 
keeping God's covenant. God made covenant with Noah and Abraham and David, and ultimately, as we get into the New Testament, the Hebrew writer tells us that this, this new covenant is through Jesus Christ and our relationship with Christ, with what he has done for us. This covenantal relationship is so important living in a broken world. Elimelech tried to do it his way. He tried to find answers for his family his way instead of trusting in God. And it brought heartache. And I will tell you that if we, if we forsake the covenant that God has given us in Jesus Christ, it will bring heartache. It will bring so much upon us that it is hard to live well in a broken world. We, we teach our children about um, so often in ways that just aren't right. Now, I would say here at Hope, our families and, and our, our grandparents are trying to teach their children right. But I was talking with someone just this past week about a situation where parents drop off their kids and they go and get coffee and, uh, at, at, at certain churches and then come back and pick up their kids. And it's like, okay, y'all just take care of the kids. Uh, I get to do my own thing. And that negligence upon us as adults to have and believe in this covenant that God has made with us, the importance of it is so important we cannot find it unnecessary. We cannot find it optional. We have to live into the covenant, keeping the covenant that God has made with us through Jesus, his son. We tend to think maybe if we are like a Lemonek and we can move to here or we can take an, uh, a decision to do this and it's going to take care of all of our problems. It's going to take care of all those issues that we're facing. And what we need to remember is no matter where we go, we take self. Remember that. No matter where you go, you take yourself. And, and if yourself is, is the problem, then you haven't taken care of your problem. So if it's all about you and it's not about God, the problems are the same wherever you go. When we keep the covenant of God, we begin to be transformed, is what Paul says. Paul says that we are transformed into the likeness of God and that we are carrying the image of God out into the world. And this is a covenant that we have by God who gave us his son to die for us so that we would have life in his name. If we are not keeping the covenant of God, I will tell you it is hard to live well in a broken world. Elimelech, of course, dies, and Naomi is left to raise these two sons. And as I mentioned, they marry Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth, and they live with them for about 10 years, and then, lo and behold, they die. The boys die. And, and now you have three widows 
that are together and they are childless. And at this time, in this society, in the ancient society, if, if you were a, a widow woman without any children, you were considered one of the lowest of the lowest. It was hard to find someone to help you. Usually it took family to, to, to help you, to, to support you. Sometimes women that did not have any uh, children to help them or any family to help, they had to rely on the generosity of, of strangers, those who took pity upon them. And so Naomi had no family other than these two women in all of Moab. Her family's back in Bethlehem in Judea. And, and so she decides, the best opportunity for me is to go back to my family. And besides, she had heard that God was doing something new in Judea, and there was some bread. The, the famine was starting to, to let up some, and there was, there was actually bread in the house of the Lord now called Bethlehem. And so she wanted to go home. She wanted to go back to Israel. And that's leading us to the second point of living well in a broken world, and that is returning to the Lord. Naomi wanted to be a part of what was going on in Israel. She wanted to be a part, yes. Was her stomach speaking to her? Was she there, heartache and alone? And, and, and here the, the Moite daughter-in-laws were there with her, but that's their land and that's their family. And she had a desire to return back to her family, to return back to where Jehovah God was present, where Jehovah God was working. Naomi could have stayed in Moab, wishing that things would be different, hoping that someone would take care of her. But she did something about it, and that is she returned to her land. She returned to God. Folks, living in a broken world, we often make poor decisions. Satan is pulling at us at just at every turn. His demons are trying to pull us towards sin, trying to help us engage in a fallen society, a fallen world. We make decisions that just make no sense at times. We sometimes forsake God's word for other things. Satan makes the world look enticing and these temporary temporary pleasures that that can come along with embracing our fallen world is only temporary those poor decisions will lead us in a path of poor living and i don't mean financially i mean spiritually and so God is ready to receive us back. Somebody should have said amen about that. But God is ready to receive us back. 
when, when we are his, when God has forgiven us of our sins and he has poured his spirit into us, we live in a fallen world and we have this nature that has a propensity to, to sin. And, and when we do and when we confess and we repent, God is ready to receive us because he has already forgiven us through Jesus. And so when we return to him, we begin to again live well. And you will find out as we go along through this series, living well means living a godly life, living a righteous life in a broken world. And so we have to return to God. And then, as I, I said, this eighth and ninth verse just led me to this title today of letting go with a blessing, and it convicted me. It doesn't have to convict you because you are probably living well in a broken world. I want to read part of this again. Uh, Emma will have it on the screen. And, and Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant you that he would grant you and find rest in each of your husbands, the house of each of your husbands. She kissed them and, and they wept. As, as I read that verse, I thought, wow. Here's a mother-in-law that is heartache over her husband's death. She is in heartache over her, her boy's death. She's lost the, the three people that are most close to her. She has her two daughter-in-laws with her. And, and what does she do? And she asks the Lord to bless them. May the Lord deal kindly with you. May you find rest. May the Lord give you rest in your new husband's home, those whom you might, the persons you might marry. Now, there are some commentators that say that as she decides to return from Moab back to Bethlehem, and as in the text, she is saying, hey, Y'all stay here. You go to your parents' home. You go to your mother's home. Find husbands here. This is where you're from. That she was actually did not want them to go with her because she was ashamed the fact that her boys interracially married and that they had moved from Bethlehem of Judea, a land that was covenantal to God to a enemy of Israel. I don't believe that. You can disagree with me. It's okay. You know I'm okay with that. But I just don't see it because first off, Scripture doesn't say it. And then second off, she doesn't deny Ruth to go with her. Ruth goes with her. And we're going to look at that in, in two weeks. But we see that God is working and that 
we see and as we will see in weeks to come, God's purpose is perfect. And so Ruth or Naomi is letting go with a blessing. She freely blesses them. She prays that they will remarry, each of you finding rest in your husband's home, that the Lord would deal kindly with them. That word in Hebrew, deal kindly, is hesed. And and hesed means to encompass the deeds of mercy performed by a more powerful party performing the deeds of mercy on that with someone that is weak, one that is weaker or less than. And and so Naomi is praying this blessing on her two daughter-in-laws, saying, may the Lord who is most powerful bless you, deal with you in mercy. She prays for Jehovah God to bless these girls. And and not only that, but she prays that the Lord will give them rest, give them peace, give them refreshment. That's what this word in the Hebrew means, a source of rest, a source of peace, a source of refreshment. God created marriage for that purpose. God created marriage that we would find rest and peace and enjoyment with our mate. Our broken world has fostered that in so many ways. We have no longer look at the covenant of marriage in a way that God intended. I was talking to Bill Enns this past week and Bill was sharing with me, he said, Marty, did you know that for the first time in the history of the United States that there are more single adults than married adults? Now, some of you say, well, wait a minute. There's couples everywhere. There are couples everywhere. But did you know the millennials and the Gen Xers, uh, more of them are living together than getting married. And so for the first time in America, there are more singles than they are married in our society. And marriage has been downgraded. And I will tell you my personal thought, and it's because many people do not want to make a commitment. They don't want to commit to that woman or to that man because that commitment now means something. But if we can live together, and I don't like how you fixed breakfast this morning, I can say, see ya. The commitment level is just not there in our society. God instituted marriage for peace and rest and refreshment, and Naomi knows that. She stuck with her husband. She went with him from Bethlehem to Moab. And now she is leaving and she is offering a blessing as she is trying, in this case, to let them go and let them go well. To let them go well. Folks, living well, living a godly life in this broken world means letting go with a blessing. Letting go with a blessing. 
you say, well, wait a minute, uh, Ruth and Oprah didn't do anything wrong as far as to Naomi. That's true. She's still leaving them and letting them go with a blessing. But my mind began to wonder and convict me, have I let go and blessed those who have wronged me? Have I let go and blessed those who have turned against me? Have I let go and blessed those who have cheated me? Have I let go with a blessing those who have persecuted me, said harmful things to me? Jesus said to love our enemies as well as our neighbors. But it seems like to me that we are quick to pronounce a prayer on my brother or my sister or my neighbor or my co-worker who is in good status with us, but how often do we actually offer a prayer to the one who has just harmed us, the one who has just spoken ill of me, the one who has just treated me poorly? When is the last time that you let go of that situation with a prayer, a blessing? And I will tell you, the longer that you hold on to whatever it is that is between you and someone else, you're not going to be able to live as well as God intends in this broken world. So hear me, church. Every single thing that you hold on to, that I hold on to, that God wants us to give up, and the list is long. Unless we give it up, it will cause us to be less than God intends. We are going to be less than what God intends us to be because we are holding on to something we think that we can fix and we have to let it go and we let it go with a blessing. It doesn't mean that you agree with what happened to you. It doesn't mean that you agree with the wrong that maybe has been done to you. But it means you let go with a blessing. You say, well, wait a minute. What about Jesus? Jesus sat down and Jesus ate with sinners, but Jesus didn't sin with sinners. And he would offer a blessing. Go and sin no more. God calls us to give this blessing. Now, Satan wants to put in front of you hurt, mistrust, shame, blame, loss, all of this stuff, all of the hurtful stuff, and remind you of what so-and-so did to you. And I want to tell you, you have to let it go. It will eat at you. It will bring you down. It will cause you to be less than what God intends for your life. So I want you to, I'm going to close. I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. Humor me. Close your eyes for a minute. You know, this is it's just a, a simple prayer that, that maybe all of us, including me, needs to hear. It, 
if someone has wronged us or we have wronged someone else, maybe the simple prayer is, Lord, I'm turning over all, all that I have held on to, and I am going to surrender it to you. I surrender. My anger, my lack of love, my lack of forgiveness, my disdain, I'm going to give it to you, Lord. And Lord, I'm asking not only that you take it, but I'm asking you to bless those that have hurt me, that I have not loved in the ways that you have called me to love. I'm asking you to bless those that I have hurt. Deal kindly with them, Lord, and let them find rest. In Jesus' name, amen. It is through Jesus that the Holy Spirit, His Spirit who dwells in us, speaks to us in hard times, dark times, difficult times, difficult ways, when people are unfaithful, when things are happening in our life. As with Naomi, and we will see with Ruth, God calls us to embrace Him. He calls us to keep His covenant when we stray to return to Him. And he calls us to let go of those things that hinder our spiritual life so that we will not be less than he has called us and intended us to be. This is one of the ways to live well in a broken world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your scripture that just speaks to us in so many ways. And this morning, I thank you for this passage. I thank you, Father, that you remind us that you have provided a way and that we are to keep the covenant that you have made with us. Through Jesus, you have called us, you have ordained us as being a part of the body of Christ. And Father, you are leading us towards eternal life. When we stray, Father, help us to confess and repent and return back to you. And Father, may we let go of those things that hinder our walk with you. And even in doing so, do so with a blessing. Help us to be exactly what you intended us to be as we walk with you. And this will help us to live well in a broken world. And Father, for this, we'll give thanks. In your Son's name we pray, amen.